Hello and welcome to the Testing Pierce podcast. Tonight we are going to talk about one of my favourite subjects, the culture of quality. We have the Fab Four all here. We have David. Hello. Russell. Hello. Christopher. Bonjour. And Simon. Before we start though, we are delighted to be sponsored by Saffron QA. They are specialists in testing recruitment and provide a range of bespoke recruitment services for to organisations across the whole of the UK. For more information, please seek their website, saffronqa.co.uk, or check out our show notes. Russell, I hear you have some good bants for us. Well, I hope you guys have the bants, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's a team effort. We're talking about sort of culture. To me, culture, I experience a lot of it when I go and travelling. And lockdown has been somewhat restrictive of that in the last sort of 12 months or more. So I wanted to ask you guys of good memories. So I was thinking about what was your most enjoyable holiday? Where did you go? What did you do? What made it special to you? Well, mine was probably my honeymoon where we went to the Seychelles and we learned how to dive. So I dived into the oceans and saw turtles swimming in their natural environment. So that would be absolutely mine. Mine would be um, my honeymoon too. In fact, we did, we did went to the same place two years running. We went to the Dominican Republic to an island called Cayo Levantado, which is its own island, just the hotel on the island. So we have to get a boat from the mainland to the hotel. Yeah, two weeks bliss, you know, sitting on the lane on the beach, rum and coke brewing brought to you all day long, horseback rides to a waterfall. Yeah, lush. And the people, the people are amazing. The Dominican people are absolutely amazing. They can't do enough for you. They're really friendly, really, really good to spend time with. Yeah. No, really enjoyed it. We'd love to go back, but can't see it happening. We did end with a hurricane, though, just the last couple of days. Hurricane Irene hit the hotel and we were all locked up in the in the, in the the bar rather than in our rooms because it was the safest place. So we were given drinks. We ended up doing a Strictly Come Dancing competition, which me and Heather got into the final somehow because I can't dance. I'm not sure how, but we got to the final. The bar and the drinking might have helped. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, no, very, very enjoyable. And we actually went back the following year, took the in-laws back. Wasn't your one-year anniversary with your in-laws, was it? <laughs> it was. We, it was more a case of look where we went. We want to show you, kind of thing, and uh, it took them back with us. I've had nice, picturesque holidays, but my favourite holiday, I have to be honest, was the one that we went to just before lockdown, when we went to uh, Orlando, we went to Universal Studios, went to Disney World, magic for the kids. Glorious weather, American portion of food, and everything was just, it was amazing. The kids have never been happier for an entire week without crying, and there was just so much to do. It was just, it was gloriously fun, um, it, and I think it was the fact that the whole family had some stuff to do with it. We all enjoyed it. It was in no way relaxing at all. On the, the flight home, um, there was so much tailwind. We landed in Gatwick an hour early. The airplane had a particular stench of uh, vomit um, from <laughs> various things. And the plane, the plane had nowhere to park when it got to the airport. So we had to like sit on the tarmac and no one could get out of the plane. And there's a lot of people not being very well. It wasn't a great ending, but it turns out that it was kind of like a good preparation for the pandemic. 
but the holiday was fantastic I like it's it's not cultural I learned very little of America apart from the portion sizes are fantastic and also they advertised accounting and pharmaceuticals on TV that have cartoons for kids so yeah targeting marketing at its best there yeah um, you know one day they might need those things for me it's probably a, a local holiday I went to Scotland and I did a driving holiday so we took um, sort of a car took a tent took a friend and we went did a sort of distillery tours which I think is very cultural for Scotland and camping and walking so you know a cultural appropriation to the sort of Scottish Highlands but I think it was the simplicity ease the fact that you could throw the tent in the back of a car and just drive off there it was also quite nice the weather was very sunny apart from the drive back where it poured with rain which i think is also unusual for scotland but yeah to me that was kind of my most and i embraced the scottish culture quite heavily there i think especially with the whiskey i was going to say going around the distilleries um you would embrace it quite well yes and the boot got slightly full of bottles so you're rattling around the second half yes cool well that was a nice trip down memory lane so culture of quality then where should we start should we start by defining what what we believe a culture of quality is yeah i think probably it is probably worthwhile to start with what we kind of see as a culture of quality because it's a it's a good phrase but it can mean very much different things to different people a lot of organizations talk about culture of quality, regardless of whether anywhere testing or anything that's involved in it. It's the culture of kind of making sure the quality of the product is okay. And that's not just the testing, it's the customer service. It's the whole sort of customer experience. To us though, I think, or to me within testing, it's in part about the customer experience, making sure the product is of a quality. Um, I believe they're the people that matter in terms of deciding um, what is quality, what isn't quality. But it's also making sure that the mentality of quality is shared responsibility, that that's not just an expression. To me, it's about making sure that everyone is invested in that sort of quality outcome. I would agree that once you've agreed what quality actually is, building is the, if the key point of this is the culture. It's the fact that the whole company is driven to produce the best product it can and as russell said it is built on the foundation so it's from the very start so it isn't just the tester's responsibility it is everyone within the company and it should be the ceo all the officers right down to to the cleaners and and the receptionists it is representing what the company want to portray as their their quality and as long as they know what the quality is then it's that it's important it's always difficult in my sort of line of work as a consultancy because quality depends on what the clients want as much as anything and i do agree also with russell that perhaps slightly you know again like we discussed last time you know quality is, means different things to different people so that our sort of definition of quality as testers might be diff- very different to the CEO of the company. So we need to make sh- the culture of quality is the ethos of making sure that the product is as good as possible. It's, um, it's, it's kind of two, two things in the sense we, we talked about defining quality and what that means and, and that, that, that is very nuanced and that is very 
context specific, but so is the culture. Like the culture of a an organization can be so vast and so different that regardless of whether people define quality as the same thing in, in different places, the people are different. The people are what make the culture. And it's whether you're remote, whether you're in person, whether you're all British, whether you're distributed, how you sort of define that. I don't know whether you might call it like a, I hate using the word DNA, but let's just use it because I just said it. Like having that common thread, that thing that sort of pieces you together is, is your, your, your business culture, your corporate culture, your company culture. You talked about the, if the, the managing director has a particular definition of quality and how that permeates through, but it's the leaders, the people who have got the voices, those are the ones that need to set an example in culture and they will be the ones who sort of set the tempo for that. I would, I would agree. I, I think for me, it's all about having everyone that can visualize quality in the same way. Um, it's finding a way that everyone can relate to. So whether that be the product that you're, you're delivering, finding a way to show what good quality is and what we should aim for, or whether you have some other way of visualizing it. Uh, Chris, you've talked before about your, your gaming analogy and how that works with, with quality quality that's that's a very good way of visualizing it if you can if you can set something up that people everyone gets and everyone can see what we're driving towards that makes it very i won't say easy it's the wrong word that makes it simpler for everyone to be able to follow it and drive make towards it. it accessible and relatable right yeah absolutely and then it's really about just finding ways to ensure that everyone has a voice whether it as we said before as david said you know, all levels of the company. And it's not just those high leaders in the high places, but it's the teams actually, you know, can push back on things because it's not, they're not affecting the right quality in the right way. It's enabling everybody to have that voice and then finding ways on how you reciprocate that through, through the rest of the company and, you know, making sure quality is on the agenda when you're starting projects or, or starting a new piece of work or whatever, that quality is part of the discussion point. It's not all about cost and time you are looking at all aspects of the project. I would also say, I think we've touched on it just then, is that it's the messaging from the officers at the top. It's being able to portray that message that the culture is built in to everyone, whether they're within the company, within the, you know, the main side of the company or they're distributed around. Everyone has to understand exactly how the company are, see quality or measure quality or whatever and as long as that message is there and i think that simon you've just mentioned that sort of thing as well yeah and it's making sure that as you said simon it's built in from the start so the initial question is how can we ensure that quality we are producing a quality product the other thing is that if people think that the quality is reduced that there should be a mechanism of reporting back which is not a sort of a it's not a sharp stick to point you know to tell people off it needs to be a collaborative improvement program i've worked in companies before where people have been chastised for what they consider to be improvements to a particular process or whatever and that is not that doesn't help with the culture of the company for a start but it doesn't sort of drive forward quality either if you've got a quality culture, a culture of quality, 
feedback is something that's going to drive that culture. You've got to be open to feedback. You've got to lead the example. You've got to be receptive. You've got to encourage feedback. Mm-hmm. It is not always going to be things that everyone agrees with, but you've got to be accepting of that feedback. And it works both ways with feedback. You've got to be accepting the fact that it's not always going to be taken on and acted on. Sometimes feedback is just that. But it's there. People will listen to you with an open arms, with open eyes, with open ears. That builds credibility to what you're doing. It shows that you do care. And if you want a quality culture, you've got to care about opinions, viewpoints, different perspectives, because that's where the value is. And you're better as a collective than you are as a set of individuals. No, I think ultimately, I think quality culture is is inclusive of, of all of those things. It's not just having quality at the table, although quality at the table should absolutely be just there. It's also quality practices, quality communication, quality sort of tooling, quality listening, quality food if you're putting on events, like doing things well, things that make you proud. And the quality just being something that that becomes you. And it's it's almost people can look at the way you do things and just think that's quality. And that can be an organization that have teams that love it, love working with each other. They're really happy with each other. They, they don't have to worry about someone picking up certain bits of work or someone picking up the slack or someone needing time off because they've got work life balance. They, they, they just, they care for each other and, and that's a quality relationship they have in, in the workplace. That's not something that you can necessarily make super tangible, but it, it's it's because you breed that culture within your organization with your colleagues and you get that quality culture. And I guess a quality culture isn't always organization wide. Sometimes it is just the people you work with or the teams or, or, or the, the space in which you move. And that can be an example to say, we can breed a quality culture. We can set an example. We've started small, but we can grow out potentially. Because actually, that's a good example. Is you know, if if you are starting out and you want to improve the cult, the quality of culture in your company, then start small. Don't don't you don't need to go straight to the CEO. You can start off just improving it in your in your group, and if that then has an effect to improve something then it will be seen or can be seen by other people people will start talking about it. people start noticing and it then it can be organic and change and, and be an evolution rather than a revolution i think it's rightly important to prove that it can work rather than trying to trying to go up to the top and then the ceo or whatever going go on then show it if you've already shown it then it's a far easier process to then build it into the into the ethos of the company. You don't get a quality culture by saying we will have a quality culture. No, exactly. That's not how you transform. Well, and that's part of the reason why I created the model that I did. It's all about iterations. You start with one level of iteration. You know, you get everyone engaged. You you share that passion. You you find your allies and you build on it and you keep going until you you build it out to more and more teams and more and more areas of the company. And that's you have to start small. You have to start with just enough to make an impact. So whether that be one one sprint team or or however small you want to go, 
you start there, you get everyone engaged, you get everyone knowing that they're responsible for quality. It's not just down to the testers or however you've got the team split. And then you start changing the practices, you start changing the way it's talked about. You know, you lose that finger pointing blame game of well, the testers missed it, or or however that goes on. And you slowly see that shift. And then when you start seeing that shift, you can then start talking more about the shift is happening and, and get more teams engaged. You'll find that if it's working in one team, that everyone in that team will talk about it outside of the team and then it, it kind of starts snowballing. I think the key thing here is the fact that it's the it's the individuals working together. The culture of quality, as we, we've said, isn't driven by words on a piece of paper or just one person. It is making sure that everyone has a consistent message and that everyone is involved and everyone feels as if they're part of that journey. And that can, as we've said, it can be just a small group. As long as everyone in that small group recognises their position in improving that quality or in that culture of quality, then it can be driven forward. It doesn't even have to be named a, a, a culture of quality or a quality no. culture. It can just be, let's just work well together. And it also doesn't have to be you that initiates these. You may see great things. And if you've got a voice in your company or any kind of influence at all, celebrate them. Shout out about them and go, hey, these, these people are doing great things. We should do that where we are. Or can I be a part of that? I want to learn from you. Because you know as well as I do that feedback internally is, is super important. If someone's doing something great, they sh you should tell them you should celebrate those people that's you know we're somewhere deep within us all we've got egos and we, we appreciate being told that we're doing good things right and wh why why wouldn't you want that so why wouldn't you celebrate good things that are happening in your organization or with friends like you know i don't work with you but if i see you doing cool things why wouldn't i celebrate that and say i want to adopt those things can i be a part of the, the cool stuff you're doing I think that's a very valid point. We need to credit the good behaviours far more than we do the blaming for the bad behaviours or the criticising, maybe is a better word. Because, yeah, it's often unnoticeable things, that small things that make a difference, people going the extra mile. And again, there are reward systems some places have for these things, nominating people for different things. I think that's not terrible systems. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. It is a, a thank you. It's a nice thing to be said. It's it's the little things frequently that will have much more lasting benefit than the nomination monthly or something like that. It's much more likely to build continuous culture by being continuously praising the good things. And uh, yeah, we all we're all humans. We all have behavioural things, and if people give us praise, we react more towards it. It's nature. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's something that I try to push in my day to day as well. And I try and make sure that I praise somebody in my team every day for small things that they may have done just to try and get that positivity vibe within the team. And then hopefully that spreads within the wider teams and, and just gets that, 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 that good feeling, especially in the current climate as well, where things do feel a bit tough and people aren't getting that FaceTime with people and, and building a culture or growing a culture at this point when we're all virtual as well makes it doubly hard because you're not being able to read body language as much. You're not able to you know, have those conversations in hallways or overhear something and then go and sort of offer advice based on a quality context or whatever it may be. 
So it does make it more difficult, more challenging to do, but, you know, celebrate the small wins and try and get people in, engaged and, and energized to, to want to do better things, to, to do things to improve the practices and things will start to happen. We've we talked about celebrating people and we've talked about sort of um, iterations and, and feedback being important, but what other parts in your model are important for us? like in this small window of time that we've got now do you think is worth us dedicating some time on i think it's it's the relationships so you know if we've got the team in energized and you've got them them praising each other and, and, and working well it's it's how you find those allies outside of the immediate teams that that can then about say well you know this is great we want to do this as well like you mentioned before it's that so it's, it's bridging those gaps it's communicating with wider groups it's sharing that you know finding opportunities to share it and and it's really that that's probably links to things we've talked about before like the communities of practice and and that kind of thing because it is intrinsically linked if you have if you have good practices and you have a good community within your business then the, the culture does kind of grow within so i guess it's how we plug those bits together i think one thing to remember is that within an organization that people are individuals and however much we try there will be certain individuals that are not all showboaty and you know are getting behind everything but that doesn't mean to say that we should ignore those people they are dealing with it in their own way they don't want necessarily want all the accolades of coming up with good ideas and things like that they may appreciate a thank you every so often however if they're not part of the you know driving force that doesn't mean to say that we should like i said leave them behind what we need to do is keep them informed keep them informed of what we're doing each little step because actually what can happen and it has happened to me before is that actually they really appreciate it and they can then feed back it may not be in a group situation they can feed back little things that they've noticed and if they find that they do have a voice and that they can drive change then that is really helpful because often these quiet people that that aren't all mouth often are sitting back and assessing what's happening and can often come up with the best ideas so if if you can tap into those ideas and get them to feed them back then actually great things can happen and it's almost like all of our previous episodes are starting to combine here because i'm feeling there's there's the empowerment there's the passion and it's 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 kind of finding those people you know like you say the ones in the team that might be the quiet ones that you know usually don't have a voice if you can tap into what makes them tick and you can give them the voice by empowering them and encouraging them and nurturing them to, to step up and say what they feel or what they perceive to be happening or whatever it's working. You get those people voiced and uh, um, talking, then you've, you've pretty much got the whole team because if they're, they're, they're the ones that don't need to say anything and now talking, you're never to be the ones that talk more are already talking as well. So you, you, you're building that communication within the whole group. People are different though. Like some people genuinely don't want to make things better. They just want to rock up. You have to accept that some people, some, some people, some people aren't going to want that, but also I guess there are organizations that, that fundamentally make change difficult. They can make it hard that, that you get put down from putting time and effort on something that isn't explicitly that thing you've been asked to do have we have you got have we got any advice to people beyond get another job 
that maybe they want to just try to start something. Maybe they can't, maybe they're not able to like create a, a culture of quality. Maybe they're not able to do those things, but, but they want to still, they've got a drive to do something and maybe they're not surrounded by that. Have we got any sort of advice for, for people in those sorts of situations? I'm sure we've probably come across some of those situations. Well, I've lived one of those situations before and it's exactly what kick-started my whole writing a talk about growing a culture because it really does start with you can be back against the wall, no chance of anything changing, really feel like everything you you believe in is absolutely against what, what the company are doing. And you have to try and make the small steps, start a conversation with somebody outside of your immediate sphere and talk about testing quality, something that they wouldn't usually be familiar with. Find opportunities to talk about it, find a, a team meeting, find a, a group session where you can present for five minutes on what the testing team are doing and just start to get that engagement. And it might take a while. It might take a few people here and there sort of acknowledging what you're doing and then asking you a question and, and building on that. You know, someone asked you a question, take that as an opportunity to share some information with them and build it up one person at a time. I would also say use external resources where you can. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Use everything you've got to your disposal. If you're not getting support from within the company, look for support outside and bring them in. Use use blogs, use, you know, anything, YouTube videos, anything that's, that talks from conferences, use those as building blocks to show that what is possible and make that change yourself. If you live by that, the culture that you want to be judged by, it doesn't necessarily matter what other people are doing. And you may not get the accolades or the, or the thanks in the short term, but you will be living and working better because you are you're living what you believe in and so therefore it will make your life better and perhaps you can influence others while you're doing that it can be quite a dark place if you're in a company that as simon mentions is kind of going against well, logic and yeah it, to david's point of going out there looking at different things do so be you don't lose faith in your own ideas you know, you've got to be sensible. You've got to be careful. Don't try and boil the ocean. Start, as we said, with small steps, but literally try. And it's hard sometimes. Your back's against the wall. You don't want to, you you know, fight or flight comes into it often in these particular cases. Sometimes the right choice is flight. I'm not going to, even though Chris has geared us towards, away from that option, it is sometimes an option. However, Fighting, standing in your ground, maybe, and looking, assessing what can be done. Small victories. Is it just changing the way you look at life defects a little bit so that actually it's less of a blame for testing mistakes to more what could we do to prevent it? Just changing the conversation in one area might have a massive impact to how people feel about their day job, that they're not getting blamed. And that one lift from their shoulders, that weight off their shoulders, can have a significant impact to their everyday work, to other things, other actions. So don't worry about trying to solve it all. Do pick those things. And sometimes it is just about changing the language. It's not about bringing newfangled toys, uh, tricks, tools. It can just be changing the way in which things are referred to. It sounds small, 
trust me, having been on the receiving end, hearing people being supportive versus accusational is a big, big win. And I think that's the sort of thing you can do often without massive investment. It's just talking to people. It's about explaining how things make people feel and discussing it. And you can often make small changes quite easily. I, I would agree with the with the language. You can The way that people do say things can very much make or break a culture. And that blame culture is, is vitally uh, important that we break it down. And in order to do that is we can change our language to be much more positive. So rather than saying, don't do that, you can suggest a, a way of, a positive way of doing something. And, and that certainly can change the attitudes of people that you're, that you're talking to. It's a positive parenting thing, right? As well, like pe- people talk about it, like that you don't always tell kids they're doing something wrong, try and encourage them to do things better, find positive spins on these things. And, and sort of on that, that sort of note, I guess, the advice that we've given in previous um, episodes is also find someone you can talk to these things about or talk about these things too, because sometimes you've got things in your head, you've got frustrations. Maybe you don't have a manager you can talk to. Maybe you don't have a colleague you can talk to, but there, there is, there are people in the testing community or even outside. Like I think some of us have got friends who aren't testers. I'm not sure who those people are, people are relatable and and they can understand frustrations but you know fr- friends friends are there to listen and offer advice if it's asked for and and actually sometimes just verbalizing those things that you've got going on in your heads those frustrations can help you to get through some of these these tougher times and you know the, the whole concept of rubber ducking is sometimes just talking about something means you may even reach your own conclusions yourself, but sometimes you might need a nudge in the right direction. Maybe somebody go, have you tried changing, you know, doing a bit of a 90 degree turn just to sort of approach this in a different way or just to reaffirm some of the things that you've said. So, you know, whether you've got good ideas or bad ideas, find those people that that are like-minded and share with them, share your ideas, talk to people about that don't don't go through these things alone i don't think it's possible to build a culture alone is it it's not a culture then no (laughs) No, exactly yeah the the cult the culture of me that's definitely a thing in wrestling right for me when i when i first looked at this my biggest challenge was engaging the team the team were disengaged completely they it was just literally they were treated as bums on seats you know, the more people we've got in the building, the more tests we can write, the more tests we can execute. Like there was no innovation, there was no nothing. And, and no one felt that it was a career they wanted to stay in. It was, it was very much, you know, this is just a job to pay the bills right now. So the first thing I tried to do was engage them. And I did that by reaching out to Rob Lambert and got him to come and do his 10 effective behavior, 10 behaviors of effective testers talk. And that instantly lit a fire in some of the team that wanted to learn more. And that was, the, that was the thing I need. That was the thing I needed. If I'd, if I'd have done that presentation and after there was, no one was engaged, it had no effect, then I would have probably felt like this is, this is unworkable. I'm going to have to look elsewhere and look, find another way. But I was given enough of an in, of an in to then say, right, you know, test fear. We're going to start doing test fear. Let's talk about testing. Let's, let's just, change some of the processes let's let's try and uh, get us more involved let's talk about this more 
finding those small opportunities, getting people like Lee Rathbone to come and talk, to continue the energy and just finding ways to talk to them and show that there is excitement here. It's not just the, the mundane. There are ways to innovate. There are ways to change things. Let's look at automation and finding those opportunities to change the narrative in the way, way the team are working and the way the team want to work and the way we want to move towards and giving them a vision. So you've energized them, then say, okay, now what do we want to look towards? Where do we want to be? What do we want to do? How do you want to be perceived within the organization? And you start to, as long as you're not the one person that's directing, right, this is how we need to be. This is what we need to do. This is what we're going to, going to achieve. But it's a collaborative build from the ground up approach. Then things will start to happen and things will start moving forward. But you're right. It's, it's a challenge, but it's important to take one step at a time. And unfortunately, I think our time is up for talking about cultural equality today. I hope that everyone listening is on their journey of cultural equality. And if you're not, then if you've been inspired to actually start, I hope we've been able to give you some ideas of how to actually start that journey and build up from yourself. If you are on that journey and you've got any sort of ideas or tips that you think we might have missed out, or just sharing your story with us, we'd, we'd We'd love to actually hear them. Uh, please contact us via the normal channels of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please look for testing peers on there. You can contact us by email. Contact us at testingpeers.com. And you could also support us by, by the patreon.com forward slash testing peers. Uh, and we have various tiers there starting at one pound per month to help us support our podcast. Also, thank you to Ben at Saffron QA for his continued support. Uh, and please look for his details on the website. So I hope you've enjoyed the discussion and we'll look forward to you coming back for the next episode. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. goodbye.